Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. Yes, it is. And good morning. This is Maya coming to you live from Montreal this Sunday, February 19th, 2017. And did you know on this very day in 1913, the first prize was inserted into a Cracker Jack box. And uh, like that, don't we have a whole lot of sweet and tasty surprises for you this morning. This morning that is bright and sunny up here in Montreal. And oh my goodness, did we ever have quite the snowfall, or I should say snowfalls, all week long. Um, It is uh, quite deep, but beautifully bright and white, uh, and kind of a glorious Sunday, actually, outside the windows of our studio. A few months ago, before these mountains of snow fell on us, I had uh, one of those days at work you know, those sort of heavy days, the days where you're particularly tired and frustrated and maybe spend a bit more time daydreaming about early retirement or miraculous lottery winnings. And anyway, I really didn't have the time and probably should have been eating at my desk and getting some more things done, but I decided to go for a walk at lunch to get some air and clear my head. And I was just going to go for a little walk right near our office. It's not a particularly scenic uh, area. There's sort of a highway and a lot of uh, traffic and cars and much, uh, much concrete and not, not much else. When all of a sudden, I came across the most surprising thing. On the chain link fence along the freeway overpass, someone had, it seemed almost overnight, crocheted a complete garden of rainbow colored flowers and it was amazing not amazing because it was particularly well done I mean the flowers were were a little bit crooked and kind of floppy and a little bit haphazard and you know they could have been done by a group of school kids but it was this surprising completely unexpected warm human touch in seriously the coldest and noisiest of environments and it cheered up not only the concrete pollution filled background but me too and i remember and it was quite a while ago but i remember walking back to the office uh, smiley and the rest of the day was somehow easier And to this day, I'm still not completely sure why. What was it about this unexpected needlework that gave me such a lift? 
I did think about, you know, who could have done this and what sort of creative soul could even think to do something like this. And, and I definitely felt connected to them uh, in spirit and mindset because I feel like I understood, even though uh, I didn't completely. Isn't it sometimes the smallest little actions that can bring us little joys and, well, maybe makes us a little more grateful for our connection to other humans. Well, one human that I get a lot of joy getting, being connected to is our guest this morning. Kathy Lauren Hugh is the CEO of Wiser Now, Inc., a multimedia publishing and staff development company focused on well-being and aging. Wiser Now provides online courses, webinars, and other consulting services to a variety of clients in the U.S. and Australia. Kathy is also the author of four books, including her latest, Creating Delight, Connecting Gratitude, Humor, and Play, which essentially sums up her life and work goals and is our topic of conversation this morning. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Maya. I'm so happy that you could come on the show this morning and talk to me a little bit more about how these little activities or moments of sort of unexpected whimsy and um, creative delight can add this interesting element to our lives because I really don't understand it. And I'm looking forward to you helping me figure out what this is all about. But I, I want to start, Kathy, knowing a little bit of where this interest of yours came from. I mean, where did your sense of humor and playfulness come from? Were you like that as a child? I, I, I thought about um, this for a while, about where did it come from in me, and I can't tell you exactly. I would have to say that, yes, I've always enjoyed play and laughter and fun and always, I've always gravitated to situation comedies over dramas and that sort of thing. There were a few people in my life that made, made made life fun. I had a person we called Crazy Aunt Ruth my entire life. My mother was <laughs> always somebody who was whimsical. But I, what I realized, and, and I make a big differentiation about this, is I'm not a comedian. I'm not somebody who's, who's naturally funny, although I try to be sometimes, um, not always successfully. But, <laughs> but I realized that, that I am somebody who's cheerful. And I think that you can be in good humor and have a good sense of humor without actually having to be funny all the time. And that's, that's what I really want to encourage people because I don't think most of us are clever enough to be comedians, but we are all able to have that, that, good, that sense of humor, that being in good humor. And I, need, I want to encourage that in people. Uh, I love how you make that distinction. I think that's really true that um, what we're talking about today really are things that can help us um, be more in good humor, which is has lots of benefits, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, as opposed to creating comedy, because I, I would have to agree with you, me too. Uh, you know, I don't consider myself very, very skilled at creating comedy, but I sure do appreciate it uh, in others or in things that I see. And I feel like it brings me uh, so much in my life in terms of my attitude and, and mental space. 
Exactly. Yes. It's it's where we need to be in terms of um, there's so much in the world these days that, that can bring us down. And if we concentrate on being in good humor, where we make life better for not only ourselves, but for others, people as well. And that's, um, I think, an absolutely key element these days. I, I agree with you, and and there is this sort of element of contagion to it as well. So it's um, it can have quite a widespread uh, effect, um, which is I think something that you're looking at trying to do with your work um, and this latest book of yours, which is called Creating Delight. And I wanted to know what is this delight that you're talking about? Like, how would you define that? Uh, well, I defined a lot very simply. It is it is pleasure, but it's sort of unexpected pleasure. It's pleasure with surprise. It's something that you did not expect to happen, but that you are very happy did happen. So it's that pleasure. But it's also because I love the word light. You know, I think light has so many connotations. It's there's the guiding light. There's leading light. There's things that will come to light. Or there's when we light up, we are just excited and we light up. And there's being lighthearted and enlightening other people and getting a green light. There's just so much light that is, is given in positive terms. So delight, in which is unexpected light, sort of unexpected pleasure to me is just the perfect word. Uh, that makes really good sense, um, and and I would you know I would say that when we talk about delight, or even even when I sort of think about the word, it makes you feel lighter, and and that's sort of what happened to me that day when I went for that walk, and I and I saw this really, and I had never seen anything like that, uh, this sort of crocheted garden in the this uh, ugly, ugly part of the city. Um, I felt lighter afterwards. It had an impact on me. Um, that surprised me. And as you say, it is this unexpected piece that's really interesting. So what is it that's happening in those moments? Um, Like, why is it so beneficial to us, uh, this unexpected uh, pleasure or playful humor or whimsy? What are the benefits of that more concretely? It actually is both physiologically and emotionally beneficial for us. There's, they've really done a lot of um, research on this, they being a, um, a number of researchers and scientists, people like Martin Seligman, who's sort of the father of positive psychology, and Robert Ev- Emmons, who's done a lot of work as well. And there's just a, a tremendous number of books on, on happiness and playfulness and gratitude. It's a really hot topic these days. So that the science behind that is that it actually boosts your immune system, it lowers your blood pressure, it can reduce inflammation, so real physiological benefits, but it also increases your energy, it enhances your creativity, it reduces your stress so that you stopped for a moment. I love yarn. It, it, the, the word for what you saw was yarn bombing, and I know we'll talk more about that, but um, yarn bombing is a way of making you stop for a minute and look at your surroundings and sort of savor life instead of um, just kind of going by and not being mindful of the present moment. And suddenly you stop and, and it's just a savoring of something that's really wonderful. So it's good from that standpoint. It also builds our relationship. It, in, it encourages cooperation and it creates this this really positive um 
atmosphere around us. My mantra is that that laughter builds rapport, rapport builds trust, and trust builds relationships. So stopping for a moment and, and seeing something that we favor and then sharing it with other people is a real way to build relationships and make life better. I love that. I just want to make sure I got that right. So laughter leads to rapport, leads to trust, leads to building relationships. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's super. And so true. Very, very true um, that it it really is this connector. And actually, you know, that day that I saw, so it's yarn bombing. That was what I saw. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. Um, you know, the day that I saw that, just as I was sort of leaving, there were other people who walked by. And of course, everyone's having the same reaction. And then we're all sort of looking at each other, smiling, because um, it was kind of wonderful. And so even there, in this sort of nonverbal moment, between strangers there was a little bit of connection which was uh which was so nice it was it's wonderful i love the the word connection for me is um well it's part of the title of the book but it's absolutely the key word for me because what we want to do with other people is connect and connecting through smiles through something shared that's pleasurable is is absolutely terrific but it's that connection that we all want with one another. We want to feel that we belong, that we, that we can get along together. And so that's just fabulous. I, I, yarn bombing does exactly that. And, and, and it's, it's um, really popular all over the place now. All over the world it's, it's caught on. And there are people who do these things. I mean, they put it on trees. They put it on light poles. They put it on parking meters. Um, they cover statues with it one of my favorite things is that um in um philadelphia where the rocky statue is um there in bronze because um that those are the stairs to the philadelphia museum of art that that rocky climbed in order to do his training well there's a statue in mount front and everybody stands there and um has the picture taken with the rocky statue so somebody did some yarn bombing and they made a vest for Rocky and it said, see the art. <laughs> and I love it because <laughs> they, were, they were telling people to don't just stop at seeing Rocky, go in and see the art and appreciate that as well. So it's yarn bombing does wonderful things to connect people and to make people smile. I just think it's a, it adds a color to the world and it, and sometimes dreary places as you suggested, but it's also just, it helps people connect by by having this ripple effect of makes your day better and you and you keep thinking of it and you still smile every time you think about it and that's a really great gift to give to the world oh my goodness uh and and quite needed <laughs> for so many reasons <laughs> You know, I, I love that example of on the on the Rocky statue. Like, there's the person who does it is really trying to communicate to whoever might come by, whatever strangers there are, and and people respond to it. I mean, I really feel like because since that happened, and since uh, you and I connected about this subject, I've been looking more into it, and the response, as you say, is huge. It, it's it's as though it's feeding a need that people have. And, and I do find it interesting that it seems to be uh, much more in urban centers that this is going on. What, what is that about? I mean, what is it that people are craving that causes them to respond so strongly in an emotional way when there are these things like yarn bombing or, or other um, unexpected pieces of whimsical art? Well, 
I love whimsical art of all kinds. But I think uh, yarn bombing, I think, came from people just getting tired of making sweaters. I just, I mean, that's my my take on it. You can only crochet the same thing so many times, I think. So so people just got really, they decided, oh, this is fun. I mean, and they cover everything. In England, they cover the redstone booths. And, I mean, they just cover everything. So it's it's partly their, the boredom, I think, of the people who are doing that knitting and crocheting. By the way, there's also a thing called the crochet reef. The, um, so if you look up that, if you Google that crochet reef, you will see these phenomenal um, underwater scenes, looking like underwater scenes of coral reefs and starfish and 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 shells and um, just all kinds of things, and and they're all made from yarn. And of course, they're not put in water because that would make them fall apart. But um, but they're absolutely gorgeous things, and they're creating these in museums all over the world as well. So I do think part of it is just the need of people who are able to knit and crochet to do something um, more interesting. But they also serve a purpose. So it is a way of of making art very accessible to people, and it's also a way for them to build um, um, awareness of issues. Like the, the coral reefs that are made are all almost always connected to some sort of marine institute that's doing research for um, protecting marine life. And I think that it's a, oh, it's a wonderful way that you can bring whimsy to a cause. And if you bring humor to a cause that you care about, it, it makes it, it gives people instant hope, instant hope. And, and that makes it um, just much more appealing to people because you can either bring people to a cause by fear or you can bring by hope. And I always go for the hope, always go for how can we be connected? How can we possibly look for a way that this will be fun for us and, and will have a positive impact? That's really interesting that if you bring humor to a cause, it brings instant hope. Um, I, I, it makes sense what you're saying, and I, and I feel as though when you do that, people are not only responsive, not only do they listen and pay attention, but because it feels good, I think perhaps they're more motivated to also get on board. What do you think? Oh yes, I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. I would. If people who who try to as the fear mongering, the people who who try to make me afraid of things, I'm not the least interested in their causes. And I and I have to say that I think that's often true of diseases too. When people are. Um, are, and I won't name names because um, I've been connected to some of these um, particular causes. But when they they try to make you afraid of the disease, then and they're looking for money. Well, some people who are afraid of that disease will contribute the money. But I think it's much more positive when you pull people together in some way and um, and use art as a way to connect people is is great. And one thing I'm, at the moment I'm thinking of Alzheimer's disease. They have a a number of programs where um, they, the people with Alzheimer's disease create art, and then they auction mm-hmm. off the art. And it's just a very lovely way of giving voice to people who have um, who are often neglected because they have dementia of some form. And um, it's also a way of delighting people again um, for a good cause. So yes, I I think. It's Getting rid of fear and, and encouraging hope and laughter is always a good thing. Can I oh, ask really, you about that, some of the? Uh, 
go ahead. No, go ahead, please, please. Um, well, I, just, I, I wanted to talk to you about some of the other uh, kinds of whimsical art that you can find out there. Can I, can I mention a few other things? Of course. <laughs> um, because if you just look up whimsical art on, um, if you Google whimsical art, m- most of what you get are things like unicorns or just sort of cartoon-like characters, that sort of thing. It's not what I would consider whimsical art. And so you have to be sort of creative and look for specific words like yarn bombing or um, um, coral crocheted reef um, and words like that. But the other is to look for something like big things and um, big art things. And there are wonderful examples of that really, again, all around the world. And I love them. Um, The Klaus Oldenburg and his wife have created a number of things um, like in Minneapolis, for instance, there is a giant spoon in front of an art museum. I think it's the Walker Art Museum. A giant spoon that has a, it has a giant cherry on the end of it. And this thing is like 20 or 30 feet long. I mean, it's a great big thing. It's wonderful, just fun art that's out there. But if you start looking, there's a whole lot of other stuff out there. There's a, um, a crossword puzzle on the side of a building in, um, in the Ukraine. And there's a there's a thing called the Red Ball Project that um, is uh, Kurt Persky is the, the person who created that one. And it, that goes all over the world, too. And it's this giant red ball. It's about 15 feet in diameter, but it's sort of underinflated. And it's squeezed between buildings. It's put between bridge um, pillars and other places, just put in odd places. And the whole idea is exactly the same thing, that reaction that you had with the yarn bombing, in which you just stop for a moment and you say, oh, my gosh, that's fun and funny. And everybody around starts smiling and laughing because cause that's there. But there are all kinds of people out there who are doing um, just fun, unusual things like that. And I think it's, it's, it has such impact. And then there's just everyday artists who are, who are funny, who, who take a whimsical approach to things. There's a fellow named Jeff Leedy, L-E-E-D-Y. And he uh, works only in pastels, and he does mostly a lot of funny dog and cat paintings. But, but he also does some things that are just humorous um, paintings of um, – people in general so he has um, a a restaurant scene with all these middle-aged people and they are all they're trying to it's it's called getting the bill or something like that and they are all looking at their checks um, their their bills for the for the dinner and they're holding them at at full arm's length because they all have eye problems in middle age and so it's just a whimsical kind of thing like that that I think is so much fun there's so much out there. I, I just, I, one of my favorite things to do is tell people about the art that's out there. And those are, those are, I've been taking little notes as you've been talking. I'm definitely going to be sitting on the internet later today, looking up some of these things. Um, and I have looked at the red ball project and, and some of the places where that's been installed. And, and what's really neat is that you always see this sort of crowd of people just kind of in wonder at uh, this unexpected red ball in the most unusual of places. And I think that's kind of interesting, this, this notion, and you said it at the beginning that, you thought of delight as unexpected pleasure, not just pleasure, but unexpected pleasure. Why is mm-hmm. that sort of take it up a notch to another level? Why is that sort of an added element when it's unexpected? 
Well, I think because it creates a memory. If you if you are you know you go about your everyday business and you kind of things come and go and you might have a pleasure in them, but you kind of don't remember them. But when it's unexpected, it's like the yarn bombing you saw months ago. It still stays with you, and every time you think of it, you smile. So that unexpected builds a memory that you wouldn't otherwise have. And I think that's its appeal. That that makes complete sense and is true, certainly from my own experience, that that is stuck in my in my brain. And I'm sure I'll always remember. And if I'm ever in that area again, that's what's going to pop up. Um, so, yes, it makes a real impact when you're not expecting something like that. And particularly in our and I think our sometimes sort of colder um, urban centers, that is the case that we don't expect to see sort of warm uh, you know, whimsical or human um, elements so much. We're so used to skyscrapers and concrete blocks and people well, just rushing from here to there. And that that's an important point. You asked, and I sort of went off on a tangent there, but you asked about why urban centers. Well, because if you're out in nature, it's already beautiful and you're already um, – enjoying the outdoors and you're more likely to see the beauty around you where in the urban centers you have to create something different you have to you have to stop people in their tracks and get them to notice things whereas outdoors is automatically something that will lift your spirits i i can't emphasize enough how important i think it is for people to get out in nature but you and I think it's important because you can get out in nature and you can still be very busy in your mind. And so actually stopping and appreciating nature and looking for what are the, what are the joys that I see, what unexpected things are here, what, what can I really notice um, that I wouldn't notice if I were just walking through. Um, but paying attention, being, being aware of in the moment, I think, is also really important, being out in nature. But you don't need it nearly so much there as you do other places, although I have seen yarn bombing that actually covered little rocks and made a, a tower of rocks of covered in yarn. So it's out there too. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, and, and yes, it's a matter of sort of helping us get out of our heads a little bit um, and maybe back into our hearts uh, a bit more. Uh, sometimes we need prodding to do that, I think. Um, the title of your book, Kathy, you also talk about gratitude. And, and I'm trying to understand, you know, how does what you're talking about in terms of, you know, playfulness, delight, uh, whimsy, humor, how does that connect to gratitude? What's the link there? Well, part of it is that all three things, uh, gratitude, humor, and play, have the same benefits. So when I talked to you earlier about lowering blood pressure and and um, um, boosting the immune system, play and gratitude and humor all have those, those kinds of benefits. They also increase cooperation and creativity. So they have the same benefits. So they're, they're already connected. But the reason I wanted to do that, the, the two reasons I wrote the book were that, first of all, there's a lot of stuff out there about happiness and gratitude, but it tends to be pretty heavily research-oriented, and it's pretty serious stuff, and it's about keeping a journal and being grateful every day, and it just sort of makes me sigh after a while. (laughs) I think it's it's wonderful to do, but it's sort of like an obligation. I I think when people do it, that they, they feel 
yes, that it, it has a positive impact, but it, over time it becomes sort of an obligation. And I wanted people to realize that what you can be grateful, you don't have to say every day that I am so grateful for my family and my friends and my, you know, that, that I have a house to live in and all that sort of thing. In fact, if you're not very specific, you will not really gain any benefits from it. But the other is that, um, that I want you to have fun doing it. So I wanted, so the book that I wrote is, is full of very concrete versions of things, very visual versions of things. So it's about how to make gratitude trees and the tree is very loosely um, defined. So it might actually be a branch. It might actually be a tree. It might be a poster. It might be um, something made out of construction paper. It, it's, it can be a whole variety of things, but it's a physical um, version of a delightful gratitude kind of um, entity. Um, and, and then there's a, um, a list of some of the other things you can do besides these very visual kinds of things. So I wanted to give people ideas for what they could actually do to make this happen, to, to start the gratitude and to do it as a group project so that, so that you build that, the smiles that stick with everybody and you start building that rapport with one another that builds the trust, that builds the relationship. So it was that, but it was also wanting to be much more lighthearted about it and being able to say, um, well, Instead of I'm grateful for my family and for this and that and another thing, talk about what are the things that make you smile? What what makes you laugh? What what was the most fun thing you saw today or did today? And if you start like in a family, if you start that ritual at dinner time, and you say what was the most fun thing you did today or that you saw today, and you get people in the habit of every day looking for something so they have something to say at the dinner table, you will start building a ritual that is just building delight into their days. They will start looking for what is unexpected around them. They'll be seeing more. So I wanted to to make it a, a more lighthearted version of things. And um, I think keeping a smile journal is, is a gratitude journal in its own way, but it's a lot more fun because every time you go back to it, you think, oh, gosh, yes. I mean, I have a smile journal that doesn't have a whole lot of things in it but at this point because I haven't been keeping it very long. But... Um, but every time I look at them, I burst into laughter again. And that's a wonderful thing for, for um, making me feel better. Uh, for sure. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that, um, you know, sort of asking what made you smile today or, or what made you laugh today. For for quite a while, you know, at dinner, you know, we are, we're pretty good about having family dinner. But for quite a while, I would sort of ask the kids, oh, so, you know, what happened at school today or what was new today? And I, I'm sure you know what the answer was. The answer was nothing. <laughs> nothing <laughs> you know and, and, it was, and, and you, you know you could sort of try to pry something out of them and nothing was coming and then and it was someone else actually who'd said you know well just ask you know what made you laugh today or what made you smile today and the moment that we started doing that and we do that pretty much every day I mean, it's one thing after another. You know, you think of one thing, and that reminds you of something else fun that happened that day. And uh, and it's very easy, and it's fun to talk about. So I, I know that that is true when you describe that. The other thing that you said um, that made me smile over here up in Canada was when you talked about <laughs> how some of these suggestions in terms of trying to connect with gratitude, things like gratitude journals um, can be quite serious. Um, you know, I really relate to that. I, 
I've tried, I don't know how many times to, to start a gratitude journal. I think I have so many, you know, empty notebooks with sort of two pages filled and that's it because it feels like homework. And, um, and I have a hard time with that. And that's what I really liked when I read your book. Some of these ideas, for example, that gratitude tree, I thought, well, how cool would that be? You know, as we're waiting for dinner to get ready, we sit around, we do, it's, you know, it's like doing arts and crafts, but Mm -hmm. connecting sort of emotionally and it's fun. And I, and I really know that I could get the family on board with that. So I think you're, you've really hit on something that people are looking for in terms of easy, concrete, fun ways to incorporate this, um, perhaps again, less, getting out of our heads a little bit um, and, you know, physically doing something and engaging with others as we do it, uh, it comes a lot easier, I think, for, for a lot of people. It, it, it's again, it's about creating that tangible memory. So just as you did with the yarn bombing, as we, as you, you now, every time you pass that area, you think of it, even if it's not there. The thing about yarn bombing is it's all biodegradable, so it, it deteriorates over time, but it just goes back into the environment. So it's a, it's a very nice thing to do. Um, and I very much encourage that in terms of the, the various types of gratitude trees that I mentioned in the book, is that you if you, you do it outdoors, you use biodegradable biodegradable materials but that's the idea is to do that either at the family intergenerationally school teachers can do this in the classroom um, Sunday school teachers can use it and I first started doing it in um, long-term care settings because that's where a lot of my work is and 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 I also did it with staff and that was what was interesting is how much they could see how it changed things if you start looking for um, what you appreciate about the residents or about your coworkers or other people and the ways that you can do it. So everybody thinks about, in the U.S. anyway, about Thanksgiving, and Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving a month earlier, but you think about gratitude then too. <laughs> so um, it's about Thanksgiving, but you can, be, you can have, be, have that appreciation anytime during the year. So on Valentine's Day, you think about all the things you love, and you you don't have to think about um, just people. You can you can talk about all the foods you love, and you can talk about um, all of the sights that you love to see, or the smells that are really um, fragrant for you. Um, you can make it multisensory, so you can think about things that essentially make you happy. When we talk about things that we love that are not other people, we tend to think of um, things that make us happy. People do too, of course. Um, and and then when it comes to St. Patrick's Day or another day, you, you find other things that, um, you know, maybe you're not Irish, but you appreciate your heritage. And so you talk about the favorite things that are part of your heritage. And you look for each holiday ways that you can incorporate into that idea, into creating a tree. But it, the, what I what I like a lot and what I use a lot in the book is metaphors so that you can, you don't have to wait for a holiday. You can just choose an occasion and do it. So I put um, outdoor, if I do it both outdoors and indoors, you can, you can hang things with yarn outdoors and the, the um, birds will eventually use it for their nests, we hope. Um, mm-hmm. And you can always take it down if you need to, but um but outdoors or indoors, if you take something and you use a metaphor. So if we put 
birds on a tree and we make construction paper birds and we write on the bird and we say, a little bird told me um, that you had that that you are wonderful in this particular way or um, the bluebird of happiness um, for me is and you talk about something that makes you happy or um, Mrs. Jones is the wind beneath my wings because um, she always has a smile on her face or whatever it is that you want to write on that little bird image, then, then you can do it. But you can use birds, you can use candles, you light up my life, um, this person brightens my day. Um, you can use flowers that you put outdoors or indoors uh, that are make it out of construction paper or other materials and you write on that, this person helped me blossom. Um, and you can use all kinds of metaphors like that. Stars, this person, again, um, is the star in my life. Or um, and, and you can use real stars. You can say, these are celebrities I just love. These are stars that I love and really admire. Um, you can talk about uh, music, people who um, make your heart sing, or music that you actually love, and you put musical notes out. We, we put... Um, made little white things with musical notes, black musical notes on them. We tied them with yarn, and we we had a wall of ivy out front, and we um, tied them to that. And they would blow in the breeze, and they looked just absolutely wonderful. So there's loads and loads of things you can use with metaphors that you can use all year long. And that's part, and that's creating that tangible memory. Remember when we did that? That was so much fun. And you can do it over and over again. But the other thing I like about it is that it's a way of saying, I appreciate you. So when I do it in assisted living, for instance, I will say, I will have a, um, an aide, a direct care worker uh, for somebody say something like, um, Mrs. Jones, you are, always, uh, you are always smiling even when you're in pain. I admire you for that. And so she puts it on this little tree. Mrs. Jones sees that and she says to her aide, Mary, you are always so kind to me, and I appreciate that. So they start building that relationship again. They have this little positive thing going. And I think that's an absolute wonderful way that these gratitude trees nurture those relationships back and forth. And it gives everybody else ideas of things then that they might write. I, I, I think you're really on to something there. And again, that's how these wonderful ideas of yours in terms of these sort of visual, interactive um, representations of gratitude are different from a gratitude journal, which is kind of just for you. So, yes, it brings yes. something to you. But what's interesting about what you're doing is that, you know, you get something out of it as you're participating in it. But then every single person who walks by and sees it or takes the time to read some of these little things is also touched by it. Um, and that's what's, that is what's truly delightful, I think, about this idea of using whimsical art or, or visual representations of, of gratitude and, and thanks um, it's it's really dynamic and interactive and spreads much further than just the person who's creating it. And I, you, you're getting my point exactly, and I'm so pleased for you to have that. So that's wonderful. Um, I, and I, but I do want to make sure that people understand it. it you can. I love the visual things. But first of all, I love art. I love doing these kinds of projects that you do together. Just the project of of creating the. Um, 
the birds or the stars or whatever, and you can get get people to cut them out and choose what kinds of stickers they might want to put on things or how they might want to decorate them in other ways. I mean, that in itself is something that builds rapport and it's a lot of fun to do together. So I, I love the idea of doing actually visual things and making them come to life. That I, I, and I, but I caution people that you can keep it up for maybe two weeks um, if you if you create some sort of visual thing keep it up for two weeks but that's the maximum after that it becomes part of the furniture or people kind of ignore mm-hmm. it outdoors they don't get the same pleasure out of it so you have to take it down and come up with something new and in between instead of having one um, visual after another I usually have some break in there so people have some time to um, kind of get used to nothing and then so the next next thing is a surprise and unexpected delight but in between these other things you can do and so one of the things that um, I, you know, there's, there are um, just little rituals that you can do. Like I, in the morning when you get up and just to start the day savoring the day and holding on to that hot mug of coffee or tea or whatever it is that you're drinking and, um, and just for a moment saying, um, looking forward to the day and saying, this is what I'm hoping will happen today. This is who I hope to see. This is, how I will be kind to my fellow man today, whatever it might be, but savoring the moment is is one way. But another um, tangible thing that you can do that I that I think is a great um, fun is what I call good fortunes. And good fortunes are um, like fortune cookies, but you don't without the cookie. So, um, for example, um, uh, this person that I um, whose writings I um, admire, Meg Barnhouse, uh, wrote that she went to a, a um, Chinese restaurant one night and got, got a fortune cookie, and it was something lame like a penny saved is a penny earned. And she said, I can do better than that. And so she decided to do better than that, and she um, created a series of um, little scrolls, and she would write a little fortune on those. And when people left her house from having dinner there, they would pick a little scroll from this box and they would take it home. And that was their fortune. But instead of doing things like a penny saved is a penny earned, she would do things like tomorrow you will see see three beautiful things. And so Mm. all day you're looking for three beautiful things and what's you're looking for beauty in your day or tomorrow somebody you secretly admire who secretly admires you will smile at you. So then you go around starting to smile at everybody, hoping your secret <laughs> admirer is going to smile at you and trying to figure out who that person is. And so you get these positive things that make you look forward to that next day and to start being nicer to the people around you, hoping that these good things are going to happen or appreciating the beauty around you. I, I think it's a wonderful idea. So there. There are lots of things you can do besides simply um, creating a tree, a, a, a tree in the broad sense of the, the word, that it can be uh, something that hangs on the wall. It can be um, a real tree or other kinds of things. There, there are ways to spread that, that connection of humor and gratitude and playfulness that does not involve something that's um, something visual. It can be something that, that you create in other ways and spread the joy um, without having to be artistic. 
I, I like that idea a lot. I'm going to hold on to that one and I'm definitely going to do it and I will tell you how it goes. And what's interesting about that one as well is, yes, it's not, uh, you know, an artistic representation of anything, but it still has that same element of um, being interactive and sort of contagious and continuing. So the person the next day is interacting with people and their environment differently um, and delightfully. It sort of has that same effect, which is really interesting. Kathy, I want to make sure I've been wanting to ask you something because it's actually something that you said before we went on the air this morning. And you said you said something about how your goal was really to bring back um, whimsy and civility and to encourage that more. Um, and I, I'm wondering if you can just explain what you meant by that. The whimsy part, I think we've, we've got, uh, it, it's quite clear to me now what you mean by that, but how is that connected to bringing back a bit of civility? I think, well, one of the things in my book is a, is a chapter that I made specifically a separate chapter. It's only a few pages long, but I made it specifically a, a separate chapter. It's about giving and receiving compliments. And I think it's really important for us to share how we value one another. And my way of suggesting that is through compliments, because that to me is a major part of civility. And when I say compliment, I don't mean just commenting that, oh, that's a nice dress you're wearing today, because that's that's not really covering it, um, what I mean instead is to, to actively try to build your relationship by sharing what you value in another person. So uh, a good compliment is, is specific, and it says something like, um, you were really kind to Mrs. Jones today. I admire that in you. That is being acknowledging who someone is, not just their appearance, but who someone is. You have a kindness as a characteristic within you, and I admire that you about that. Or you can appreciate them for something specific. You really helped me out of the jam, that jam, and I and I I am grateful to you for doing that. That's saying I value you and complimenting you, and I can assure you, people who very seldom hear such praise. I mean, we might praise our children now and then, but we tend not to do that to coworkers or other people in our lives and to really stop for a moment and, and appreciate somebody and not just their appearance, but their character or, or an act that they have done on our behalf. I think that it, that in itself will increase that civility. But the other side of that is you have to be a good receiver. You can't say, um, when, it, like I'll go back to the dressing. When somebody says you're wearing a nice dress, so often somebody will say, um, oh, this old thing. I bought it 10 years ago, and I was just, you know, I couldn't find anything else clean to wear today. I mean, that's rejecting the gift I just gave you because I meant to tell you that um, you looked nice, and so it was a gift that I was giving you, and you just rejected my gift. I meant to make you feel good. You not only didn't feel good, but you made me feel bad. So when somebody compliments you, on a kindness you have done or some other characteristic in your life or thanks you for something you did on their behalf, you say instead just thank you. And if you have to add something more, then say thank you. That means a lot to me. Or um, I'm so glad you noticed. Or something that was that is in itself positive, but not, that, is, that accepts the gift so you both feel good about it. And I assure you that those kinds of good feelings are going to um, help you through a lot of other hard stuff that goes through the day. So simply by 
recognizing that we value one another and doing that on a regular basis, I think, helps contribute to civility a whole lot. And again, it's about um, building hope in one another, giving up the fear side of things and building hope in one another, because together we're, we're stronger and we, we value each other. We belong in some way in the same setting that we're in and we're building community. And that's really what I mean by civility is how do you build community? I'm almost, I'm almost speechless. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was like, wow, that's like the most profound five minutes of a show I've had in a long time. Um, but really, I mean, you've just, you've touched on kind of the crux of it um, in terms of acknowledging and valuing um, who people are. Um, and I love what you added in terms of accepting the gift when someone gives that to you and not rejecting it and the impact that that has in terms of building relationships and connections and community uh, because you're building hope. Uh, I feel like this is a message that many people in our world right now need to really sort of understand and, and be listening to. So thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, I'm my pleasure. Absolutely. Yes, it's, a, it's the word I want to spread that if we're just, if we have fun together, if we appreciate one another, um, the world will be a better place. Yes. And what fun it has been to uh, spend this time with you this morning, Kathy. Sadly, we're slowly running out of time. So you've, you've put out this wonderful book that I really encourage listeners, if you've got the chance, take a look at this. I'm going to make sure we have uh, information about it in the notes for the show because it's very accessible and has wonderful little ideas. But what's coming up next for you, Kathy? Do you have any interesting projects coming up? Well, um, a number of things. Um, what, what I wanted to um, mention, of course, is because you and I know each other through the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, and that conference is coming up at the end of April, and I would inc- it's called AATH.org. I'd encourage people to look into it. It's a wonderful group of people. Some of the people I admire most in the world are, are members of that organization and it's just a fabulous conference so that's coming up i'm also what we didn't mention at the outset in terms of what i do is i write a lot of material that is that are trivia quizzes and word games and imaginative kinds of exercises and um and i love doing that it's so much fun to do it and so there's a type of word puzzle called what's left and that's my newest project it will be out in about a month um and it's a it's a kind of hidden word like like a hidden object puzzle. Only this is hidden words, and you have a grid of words, and you have to cross off all the words that d- don't belong based on various clues. And what's left is either a, a funny phrase and or and quotation, or it's a an inspiring quotation. So that's um, coming out next. And then I have some other things that are having to do with my trivia quizzes and other materials that I've written that are on the brain stimulating side of things. Um, And um, mostly I'm just trying to get through days each day being civil to other people (laughs) and appreciating them. (laughs) Um, Yes, um, sometimes it's a bit of a struggle to do that. (laughs) <laughs> but but very important and what what a good goal um kathy if someone wants to learn more um about all of these things that you've been speaking about uh where can they go to do that 
Well, my website is www.wisernow, like W-I-S-E-R-N-O-W.com. And I have a second website now because of the Creating Delight book. And so that's www.creatingdelight.com. And both of those have a lot of free information on them. Um, if you if you sign up, all, all you, we need is your first name and email address. If you sign up on Creating Delight, the um, Good Fortunes, uh, idea that I was telling you about. Uh, there's a lot of ideas on there for that, plus the grid for making it. Um, so that's one of the freebies that are there. I have a lot of trivia quizzes and other kinds of things that are available on the Wiser Now site. So those are both um, good resources for you. And of course, there's a, um, a lot of other books and materials that are available in the shop on those sites. Um, so I guess those are the, the main things. Those are the, the best places to learn more about me. I also love talking to people. So if there is anybody who wants to connect directly with me, they can just reach me at Kathy with a K, uh, Kathy at wisernow.com. So I'd love to hear from people that way too. Oh, great. Um, I will make sure all that information is in the notes of this show. And uh, I, for one, am without a doubt going to be trying out some of your ideas. Um, and I'll be sure to, uh, you know, send you pictures or some feedback. And listeners, if any of you uh, find yourselves creating uh, gratitude trees or anything else and you want to tag uh, both myself and Kathy, that would be fabulous in social media. It would be neat to see a little wave of some of these uh, creative ideas, uh, causing some contagious delight. Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. It really has been quite delightful. <laughs> um, and you left, left me with some really interesting things that I'm going to be thinking about uh, in the coming days, I'm sure. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My, this time it was an expected pleasure, but it was definitely my pleasure <laughs> to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Right. You have a wonderful you rest a of the of day. Months. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Kathy Lauren Hugh. And listeners, I do encourage you, go check out her website. uh, Take a look at some of the ideas that she has been putting out there. Um, It could make you feel quite delightful as well. Next week, I am going to be joined by Dr. Lawrence Peacock to share a conversation about changing our lives by retelling our story. This is a subject we've touched on a couple of times in previous shows, this notion of storytelling and how we uh, create meaning in our own lives by the way that we tell our stories. But Dr. Peacock is not only a psychiatrist who specializes in helping people move past their sometimes quite uh, traumatic histories, but he also has a really interesting personal story himself. So he is not only someone who talks the talk, but uh, walks the walk. So be sure to join us for that. If ever you do miss a show, do not worry. All episodes of Morning Moments are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox or your favorite podcasting service uh, so that you can catch up uh, in your own uh, happy time. Until next week, in the words of writer Alan Cohen, you will find truth more quickly through delight than gravity. Let out a little more string on your kite. This is Maya, and I am out.
like Sunday morning Still got my day job but I feel so free Baby I go anywhere As long as you'll be there It's just you 